0: Tonight's reading is from Daniel, chapter 9. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, he was made ruler of the Babylonian kingdom. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord, given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So, I turned to the Lord God, And pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away refusing to obey you therefore the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of moses the servants of god have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you you have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster under the whole heaven nothing has ever been done like what it has been done to jerusalem Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favour of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day. We have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people and objects of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favour on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, The man I had seen in the earlier vision came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. Know and understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him.
1: Hello, everyone. It's great to be with you. And before I forget, greetings from Golston Church. America will launch the first manned vehicle to the moon. There will be three men in the crew. Retro rockets will be used in the journey to the moon. The astronauts will experience weightlessness. When the spacecraft returns, it will splash down in the Pacific Ocean. Looking at these statements... You might think that they come from a history book about space travel or that they come from NASA, the American Space Agency. Actually, all of these statements come from a novel. From the Earth to the Moon was written by Jules Verne and published in 1865. Amazingly! Over a hundred years before Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, Jules Verne, a French novelist and poet, provided some remarkably accurate insights into manned space travel. By the way, he got quite a few things wrong too. Now, imagine you are a top scientist in the early 1960s, and in September 1962 you hear President John F. Kennedy announce to the world, we choose to go to the moon. Suddenly, Jules Verne's words take on a new impact. There would be a sense of anticipation and excitement that what was written so long ago was becoming a reality. The book of Daniel is about a Judean teenager, Daniel, who was taken into exile in Babylon. He was from a noble or a royal family and was exceptionally able and intelligent. The first six chapters of Daniel are a Sunday school teacher's dream and focus on historical events in Babylon over a period of 70 years. These chapters were written in Aramaic, an international trade language, which suggests that this text was for everyone. Significantly, the remaining chapters of the book of Daniel are written in Hebrew, which suggests that this text is specifically for the Jews, for God's people. In the passage before us today, in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel was an old man. He was probably in his late 80s and living out his retirement in Babylon after decades of faithful service as a statesman and civil servant. The date is 539 BC and Daniel realised that something major was going to happen in the history of God's people. There was an air of anticipation and excitement that what was written so long ago was becoming a reality. Before we look at this passage a little more closely, let's pray and ask God to speak to us through His Word. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, as we look at this passage in Daniel chapter 9, open our hearts and our lives to receive what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Daniel chapter 9 verse 1 to 27 has one of the longest prayers that is recorded in the Bible. And this passage provides some great insights into who Daniel was. Firstly, we see a sacred investigation. These opening verses show that Daniel's prayer was rooted and grounded in God's word in the Bible. Verse 2 says, In the first year of Darius' reign, I, Daniel, understood from the Scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Daniel's prayer flows out of reading and studying biblical scrolls. Daniel had been looking at what he describes as the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet. And these words would have told Daniel about the fall of Jerusalem, the exile into Babylon, and the return of God's people after 70 years. It's amazing, really, that Daniel had Jeremiah's scrolls in the first place. Although Daniel and Jeremiah lived in Judea at roughly the same period of time, it is unlikely that they met Daniel was in the younger generation that were the first to be sent into exile in Babylon, in the northeast. While old man Jeremiah, a priest, ended up in Egypt, in the south. Significantly, God told Jeremiah to write down the prophecies. Jeremiah 30 verse 2 says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Write in a book, the word can also mean a scroll, write in a scroll all the words I have spoken to you. What we do not know is how Jeremiah's prophetic scroll got to Daniel. At a time when any writing was expensive and slow to copy and easily destroyed, how did Jeremiah's words written in Judea, reach an exiled Jew over 1,500 miles away in Babylon. And was it a copy, or was it the original scroll? Well, we just don't know, but God's word reached Daniel. History is full of accounts of how God's word in the Bible has survived numerous physical obstacles. For example, in the book The Hiding Place, Corrie ten Boom tells how a small Bible was miraculously smuggled into Ravensbrück concentration camp during the darkest years of the Second World War. In Jeremiah's prophetic scrolls, Daniel would have seen Jeremiah 25 verse 11 This whole country will become a desolate wasteland and these nations will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. And Daniel would have also seen Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 10. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfil my good promise to bring you back to this place. Daniel would have realised that the 70 years of desolation through the Babylonian Empire were nearly over. He would have known that he was sent into exile around 605 BC and that this was now roughly 66 years later. Daniel knew what had been promised, that the Babylonian Empire would be destroyed and he had seen that happen. The next part of God's promise was that God's people would be brought back from exile. Daniel realised that that part of God's promise hadn't happened yet, so he prayed. Daniel prayed as a result of studying and understanding God's plan and character that was revealed through God's word. These verses are a challenge for us today as Christians. We need to proactively read and study and understand the Bible. We don't do this as a a cold or an academic exercise, but as a way to deepen our personal love relationship with God. And as we get to know God's character and his plans, our prayers will echo and will be in tune with the will and purpose of God. A sacred investigation. And secondly, a solemn confession. As I said earlier, Daniel chapter 9 records one of the longest prayers in the Bible. Bible scholars even suggest that Daniel's prayer influenced other later prayers for example, Ezra's prayer in Ezra chapter 9 and Nehemiah's prayer in Nehemiah chapter 9. Daniel's prayer has a a very distinctive four-step structure. The first step is preparation. Verse 3. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Daniel seemed to be disciplined about preparing himself to pray. Daniel 6 verse 10 says that as he faced Jerusalem, three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed. Here in verse 3 we're not talking about frequency, we're focusing on the wholeheartedness of Daniel's prayer. He prepared further with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. These are all physical signs that show Daniel's humility and passion before God. Perhaps we should follow Daniel's example and humbly pause before entering God's holy presence in prayer. The second step is Adoration, verse 4, I pray to the Lord my God and confess, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. It is significant that the first words of Daniel's prayer are worship and adoration. Daniel focused on who God is. He declared God's greatness and power, that he is a God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love, and he is a God who faithfully fulfills his promises to his people. I confess that I've attended many prayer meetings where, effectively, it's just been a collection of prayers asking God to do something. At no point did we focus on the person to whom we were praying. At the very least this was rude and disrespectful. Perhaps we should follow Daniel's example and recognise God's awesome greatness and declare God's majesty and love and faithfulness to his people at the start of our prayers. The third step is confession, verse 8. We and our kings, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. Surprisingly, the majority of Daniel's prayer is a confession. But 70 years of exile and judgment was about to end. You would have thought that Daniel's prayer would be an explosion of praise and thanksgiving, not a confession. I wonder what we would have done. Significantly, Daniel's prayer is a corporate confession. For example, he prays, we have sinned and done wrong in verse 5. We have not listened to your servants, in verse 6. And it's the same in in other verses. Daniel is confessing on behalf of all of God's people. And he includes himself too. He contrasts God's faithfulness and love to the sinfulness and shame of God's people. Daniel refers to the blessings and the curse that God set out to his people in Deuteronomy eleven twenty six to 28 The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. The curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods. Daniel understood that the exile into Babylon was because of the continual sin of God's people. And so Daniel admits and confesses his sin and the sin of God's people to restore the relationship that they had damaged. Perhaps we should follow Daniel's example and humbly confess our sins and the sins of our country. As verse 15 says, Lord, we have sinned. We have done wrong. The last step is petition. Verse 17. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, Look with favour on your desolate sanctuary. It is significant that Daniel does not pray, Lord, free us from this terrible land and this oppressive regime. Instead, Daniel prays, Lord, have mercy. Okay, so Daniel uses a few more words than that, but that's the short version. Someone has said that grace is receiving something good that we don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving a punishment that we do deserve. Because of their sin against God, God's people rightly deserved God's judgment and punishment. Daniel accepts this truth but prays that God in his mercy, will show his favour on his people." In other words, the return from exile is not the result of a political or an economic decision by King Darius. No, God's people are freed as evidence of God's love and mercy towards his people. Our challenge today as Christians is to be honest about the sin in our lives and our personal and corporate responsibility connected with it. We need to pray for God's forgiveness and mercy and to turn our lives afresh and wholeheartedly to him. A sacred investigation, a solemn confession and lastly a supernatural explanation. These verses provide an insight into what happens in heaven when God's people pray. Firstly, prayer is heard. Verse 23, as soon as you began to pray, a word went out which I have come to tell you. As soon as Daniel started to pray, His words were heard in heaven. In the same way, when we pray, even though we might think they'll only reach as far as the ceiling, our words are received in heaven. Secondly, prayer is answered. Verse 21. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel came to me about the time of of the evening sacrifice. Gabriel went to Daniel. He was a visual representation of God acknowledging and responding to Daniel's prayer. He responded at the time of the evening sacrifice which was about three o'clock in the afternoon. This was the same time of day when God responded to Elijah on Mount Carmel and the same time of day when Jesus declared it is finished on the cross when we pray our prayers are heard in heaven and answered according to God's timetable and his purposes and thirdly prayer brings assurance verse 22 He said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. This suggests that the answer to Daniel's prayer would include a heavenly insight into God's plan and purpose for the future. Daniel is assured that God is in complete control of what will happen in the future. Gabriel shared with Daniel a picture of the future in response to Daniel's prayer. The mention of Jerusalem being rebuilt in verse 25 would have been a wonderful assurance to Daniel in the short term. God's people would return from exile. But Gabriel widens the timescale of the vision and refers twice to the Anointed One or Messiah that's in verses 25 and 26 this is a reference to Jesus the promised Messiah Jesus is the one who fulfills the old Mosaic Covenant and who announced in Luke chapter 22 verse 20 the New Covenant is in my blood which is poured out for you. Daniel was shown that complete and everlasting freedom would come through Jesus, the promised Messiah. In the same way we receive true freedom and forgiveness of sin and eternal life because of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus our Saviour and Lord. Jesus brings assurance. As Christians today, we need to remember that our prayers are heard in heaven and that they will be answered according to God's timetable and for His purposes and that we have an eternal assurance because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross at Calvary. A sacred investigation, a solemn confession, a supernatural explanation. There's a story of someone who searched through the Bible, looking for things that God does through Christian lives, that are not prompted by prayer. And he found nothing. It wasn't that he had trouble finding one or two items. There just wasn't anything there. My point is this. Everything that is part of God's ministry, God does through prayer. Someone has said that prayer is the breath of the soul. It is the secret of spiritual power. So, let us take up and and use this privilege of prayer. Daniel was a man who stood against the trends of the culture of his day. He was a man of prayer and through prayer he was able to come humbly into God's presence and ask, hear and act, O Lord. In the same way, this week, let us humbly come into God's presence and ask, Hear and act, O Lord. Amen.